Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. If you would, be taking your Bibles and turning to Revelation, the second and third chapter. We won't have slides, but most of the passages we'll read tonight will be right out of Revelation, the second uh, chapter. And so if you will, be opening there to the last book in the Bible and uh, into the second chapter. We've had a wonderful afternoon. Uh, the teachers meeting uh, was a success and of course we love and appreciate all of our teachers that study and prepare every week to enrich the lives of, of us as a congregation. How blessed we are to study God's word together. The elders, deacons, ministers meeting was a great meeting this afternoon and we're just reminded of how blessed we are to have so many leaders that are very capable and very diligent. Uh, they love God and they really want to serve God and, and help all of us serve God. And uh, we're thankful for each of those men and, and for their families and, and for all that they do in the part of the church here. I received word after morning worship this morning that uh, Timothy Thompson was hoping that the timing for him going into Vanderbilt Hospital this afternoon would be such that he could have come down and requested the church's prayers. And so we'll have a prayer in, in just a moment for Timothy. Many of us uh, that, that know Timothy well know that for many years now, uh, he has battled seizures and he had a surgery that helped for a short while but now he has continually had seizures um, very frequently and it really affects day-to-day -day life. And so he has been admitted into Vanderbilt this afternoon and probably will stay a week and probes have been placed back into uh, his brain and, and they actually want us to be praying that, that he will have seizures and uh, that will help identify uh, where this uh, is coming from in the exact place in the brain and then that will let them know if they can do another procedure that would help and that could bring a, a normalcy to his life in that way. And so uh, I want to encourage you, we'll pray now, I want to encourage you to continue to be praying for him uh, this week. Uh, I admire Timothy's faith throughout all of this. Uh, he is a wonderful example for all of us that for all these years, he hasn't become bitter and uh, yet he remains a, a great young man of faith and we are thankful for uh, his place in our church family and we're thankful for the example uh, that he is to us. And so uh, let's be praying. Our most gracious God, we thank you for the opportunity you give us to pray for each other. And God, we pray that you be with Timothy Thompson and we pray that everything that will be done for him this week from a medical standpoint will identify a procedure that could be done that would help him to be able to live life free of seizures. And God, we pray that however many seizures that he needs to have for the doctors to identify what needs to be done would happen. God, we know that ultimately you're the great physician and you know exactly what needs to happen. And so in the ways that we do not even know how to ask God, we beg you to intervene and we beg you to make this stay in, his, in the hospital a success for his physical uh, health long-term. God, we do continue to pray for Darren and Emily 
We pray that you comfort them in the loss of their baby. God, we know that there are others in this congregation uh, that have had difficult weeks this past week, very difficult. And God, we pray uh, that you be with each one in, in our church family. And we pray that we'll lean upon each other and that we'll help each other and that we truly will love each other. God, we pray for the Clark family again and we ask you to bless them and comfort them. God, we thank you. We thank you for bringing Santino Har back home safely and with the documents that were needed and with great hope and anticipation of the future for his family. We give you all the praise and the glory. God, we're thankful for a good homecoming and we're thankful for the seeds that were planted perhaps in individuals' lives that were good and righteous and we pray that all of us that's truly been good for us to look at how you've blessed us. And God, we're thankful for the meetings this afternoon of teachers and of leaders. And we're reminded in that, that in this congregation, how many people do their part. And we're thankful for every member here that loves you enough that they serve and sacrifice for you on a, on a weekly and a daily basis. God, we know that you have given us something very special when you adopt us into your family. And our prayer is that we'll never take you and your family for granted, but that we'll love you and that we'll long to spend an eternity with you. And it's through your son's name we pray. Amen. I'd like to briefly mention something to you when, you know, I... I know, you know, I used to say I'm not an old man, and I know I'm kind of getting to be an old man now. Uh, that's getting a lot closer. But, you know, you've been doing something long enough, and you just kind of know what's coming. And, and I look now at my calendar, and I know what's coming. And so I just want to tell you what's coming. There's going to be, in a few weeks, there is going to be a particular Sunday. I don't know when it'll be, but there will be a particular Sunday that some of you will say, what has changed? Why, why has David gone so much? And I just want you to know, I'm not gone any more than usual. It's just that it all has hit at one time. Uh, it's still three gospel meetings a year. It's still vacation and, uh, and one campaign a year. Uh, and other than stateside, which account for two. But I just want you to know that it's full disclosure and it's transparency. And I know sometime when people are wondering and there's nothing said that, you know, there's that thought of, hey, is something shifting? And I just want you to know that there's nothing shifting. It's just that all three of my gospel meetings are in the last few months. My, my, my campaign is just all by happenstance uh, is coming up. You're going to be left in some great hands of study. Very capable men will be preaching. And, uh, and so it's not about me. It's glory be to God that we have very capable men. But I just want you to know there's no shift in, in uh, anything that, that if you think is David like exiting out of here, I hope I'm not. To my knowledge, I'm not. Uh, I would love to be here a long time. No matter where I go, there's no place like home. And I know many of you would join me in that. I love home. I really mean that to the depths of my being. I've lived in Mount Juliet longer than I've ever lived anywhere. I've lived in the house I'm living in now longer than I've ever lived in one particular house. I'm telling you, I love home. I love to turn into a familiar driveway. I love to look at a house that immediately I think that's home. I love to look at the trees that surround it. And I know just by looking at the trees, that's home. 
I love going to the same parking spot because it's home. It's my spot. I love going into a familiar back door. I love being hugged by the one that I love the very most on this earth. I know that I'm home. I love sitting at a dinner table. We all have our seats. I know exactly where my seat is going to be. I don't ever stand around and wonder which seat should I sit at. And you know what? I know that what's going to be served, I like. There's never going to be squash served at me. I know that. I love, I love to go home. And, and after a meal, we can just kind of mosey over to the living room and I kind of got my spot and she's kind of got her spot and we're at home and, and we either talk or we don't, but we're at home. And, and even though I sleep good everywhere I go, I still love to be able to go back to my bed and crawl up with my pillow and with my wife and go to sleep. And I know that I'm home. I bet you love home. No matter where we roam, there's no place like home. Isn't it interesting to think that when Jesus wrote to the seven churches of Asia and he told some of them some very tough things like we studied this morning that's going to happen to you. The fuel, the motive that he gave all seven of them about why they should continue on was because of the eternal home that was waiting. It's going to be that good. No matter what we have to endure here, no matter what we have to sacrifice here, it is worth it for the home that is coming. I want to go home. And tonight I'd like for us to look, we're not going to try in one lesson to look at all seven of them. And you know that at studies already twice in, in the weeks coming up, we're going to look at the seven churches in detail, at least to some extent in detail. And so tonight the desire is not to break down each of these in some way again, but you remember how we've talked about the seven elements that are in many of these letters to these seven churches. Remember, there's always that one, that's the promise. Every one of the promises, if you do this, if you overcome, if you're victorious, every one of those promises are about the home that is coming. Isn't it interesting that in those seven churches, he never says one reason on earth why we should overcome. If you've never thought about that, file that away. And I want you to think about that in some quiet time. I want you to think about that before you go to sleep tonight or when you're driving to work tomorrow, shut the radio off and just think for a moment. The life God is calling us to live requires so much sacrifice that God can't point to anything on earth and say, that's the reason you do it. He has to point to heavenly things and say, that is the reason why we do it. And so what would those things be? I don't believe by any stretch of the imagination that the promises that we read given to the seven churches of Asia is a, is a full and comprehensive view of heaven. I don't believe we can even comprehend on this side of eternity what a full and comprehensive view would be. But it is interesting to just see some things that are noted. Will you join me as we look in Revelation, the second chapter? And you remember that we studied that first church of Ephesus. 
And as we studied that church, you remember that they were things that he knew up in the second verse that were really good, but then there were some problems that he had with them in verse four, and that was that they lost or left their first love. And then there's that plea in five for them to remember and to return and to repent. And then he makes this plea to them in seven. He who has an ear, I'm in Revelation two and seven. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, and that's that word literally for victorious. I'm not saying it's like kind of like that. It's saying he who is victorious. It's, it's Nike, he who is victorious. What are they gonna have? I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. God says, if you will overcome, if you will be victorious, I will let you eat of the tree of life. That is going to be an awesome occasion when you and I can go home and we can gather around the tree of life. Now we'll look at that tree in just a moment, but I wanna ask you, when you think of home, does any trees come to your mind? Maybe the home you live in now or, or maybe the home that you grew up in. I can't think of home without thinking of trees. When I was a little fella, I think about the tree that was right beside the sidewalk. And if a little boy got a running start and kicked off the base of the tree, he could grab a hold of a forked branch, swing around. And I can't tell you the hours that I have spent, not at one time, but over the years growing up in the fork of that tree right there. Or I think about the tree that was right in the middle of our front yard. And I don't know why we did this, but my sister and I one day had wooden mallets and, and one of us just hit that tree and bark like just flew off of it. And we thought that was pretty neat. So we both started hitting that tree and, and we just made a clean path all the way around that tree. Now we didn't know what you know. You know that if you take the bark all the way around a tree off of it, it kills the tree. Well, let me tell you, when dad got home that afternoon, bark wasn't the only thing flying. I think, about the, I think about the tree in the backyard of our house where I grew up. It, it towered over all the other trees and it was down in the slope of the backyard and it towered over our house. It towered over them all and you had the backyard that sloped down in the base of this tree and then when you went around the other side of the tree, the yard wasn't there. It opened up into a beautiful spring that came right out of that tree and we had a pipe with a screen so the minnows couldn't go up in it. And that was our drinking water. It took me a while to get used to that city slicker water with all that stuff added to it. That spring water was a lot better. Can't tell you the number of hours I played around that tree. I think about trees where we built a two room, split level, picture window, tree house. I think about trees that we swung off ropes into swimming holes. I think about trees where we carved initials of who we loved. I think about trees with yellow ribbons tied around them. I can't think of home without thinking about trees. And isn't it interesting of the seven churches of Asia, the first promise that he offers is he says, you remember that tree that was mentioned way back in the beginning of the Bible? 
It's the tree that started out, at least where we saw it first as human beings, was we saw it first in man's garden, man's home, Garden of Eden. And you remember when Adam and Eve sinned, they were driven out of that garden and cherubs with flaming swords guarded the garden so that man could not come back in and eat of the tree of life. And there may be one brief mention of the tree of life in Proverbs 11 and 30. But other than that, we don't read about the tree of life for all of those thousands of years. We go from the first book of the Bible to the last book of the Bible. And then you open up and the first promise, the first promise that God makes, Christ makes to the people of Ephesus. I I can't imagine how this would have been to them because people of Ephesus had never read about that tree before, except in Genesis, maybe Proverbs 11 and 30. And he says, Hey, if you'll overcome, I'm going to let you eat of the tree of life. It is there. It's in the paradise of God. Now it's in God's garden. And if you'll overcome, he's inviting you there. And you can eat of that tree. You remember how awesome that tree is going to be? Go to the very last page of your Bible. Revelation, the 22nd chapter. Revelation, the 22nd chapter, verse 1 a picture where we see the throne room of God and proceeding out of the throne room of God, we see in verse one that there is a pure river of water of life. This is Revelation 22 and one. Clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and the lamb. Are you picturing this? Can you imagine this? I'm picturing a spring coming out from under a tree. Can you imagine the throne room of God and this pure crystal river of of water flowing out? Now, where's it going? Look in two. It's in the middle of its street and on the side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. You know, rivers usually divide. Rivers usually place you so that if you're on one side, you can't reach what's on the other side. Isn't it interesting that the tree of life is on both sides of the river? And then even though there's not going to be time in eternity, he mentions it this way so that we can gain an understanding. He says 12 months. There's 12 fruits. There's one. In other words, we know what an evergreen tree is. He's saying this is every fruitful tree. It's always going to produce the spiritual nourishment that we will need to be immortal. And then the leaves, you can go and the leaves will bring healing. We will live forever. Now listen, I'm not suggesting to you that I know that these two passages, like this is the one that makes this happen, but I can't help but wonder. You probably still say open there to the 22nd chapter. Look over the 21st chapter. Have you ever wondered how this is going to take place? Look in verse four of the 21st chapter. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, There shall be no more pain for the former things are passed away. I can't help but wonder, is it because of the tree of life 
that these things are going to take place. We'll have no sickness. It'll be all healing. We'll have no more pain. It'll be all comfort. How can we never get sick? How can we always be nurtured and nourished? Well, if we overcome, we're going to be allowed to be in the presence of that tree of life. That tree that is so fruitful. That tree that offers leaves of healing. What a magnificent tree that is. I don't know what tree you've ever stood around and you've just kind of looked up and been in awe. When we visited California and we went into Yosemite and then we went back to those huge redwoods and for a country boy that grew up in, in, in sawmill country, you're going to think I'm corny, just like my kids thought I was corny, but I'm just going to tell you how it was. We walked around there, kind of like tourists walk around there, except I just, I mean, my mouth was falling open the whole time. And, and I got the sense, you know, you, you raise your kids, you know what they're thinking. And I just got the sense they're ready to go. And like I was heartbroken. And so I did the old daddy plea. I really did. I kid you not. I said, listen, I know y'all want to go probably, but I'm begging you. Would you just let me stare at these trees for like 20 or 30 minutes and we'll do whatever you want after that. But please just like leave so I don't annoy you and I just want to stare at these trees. And we made a pact and they agreed on that. And they just kind of walked away and I could have stayed there all day. I, I, I can't, I, I just can't imagine trees that old, that tall, that magnificent. Can you imagine what's going to be like the first approach you ever have to the tree of life? You're not going to want to walk away from it unless it's the glory of God that captures your attention. But listen, there's something magnificent about this tree. A tree that was so amazing that it could not stay in the presence of sin. And so when man sinned, it was removed. And it was taken to a place where nothing that is defiled is allowed to come in its presence. Ephesus, if you can just return to the love that you ought to have, I'll allow you to eat of the tree of life. What a blessing. Let's look at another one. When you go back to Revelation, the second chapter, you know today that we studied about Smyrna, which is the second letter that Jesus wrote. And you know that this letter is all about suffering and he's not telling them that the suffering is gonna get easier. He's not telling them that it will go away. But you remember in verse 10, instead, he told them that it was going to get worse. And he even told them at the end of verse 10, be faithful until death. Be faithful even if it means you die. And I will give you the crown of life. What's that promise all about? If you will just, now we talked this morning and we're not going to rehearse it, but you remember how much we talked in depth about the great suffering they were enduring. What would motivate them to say, sign me up. It's worth it. 
It doesn't matter what it costs, it's worth it. And the Lord says, if you will be victorious, I will let you have a crown of life. Now, you know that, that crowns, well, there's different kinds of crowns in the Bible. There are crowns that, that are like royal crowns, and so they're crowns of power. In other words, a king wears a crown, and you know that he is the one, it's the diadem. He's the one that has power. That's not the crown that's used here. The Greek word for crown here is the crown that was a symbol of victory. In other words, today we would think of it exactly like a medal or a trophy. It's, it is not just the prize itself, it's the achievement that points to, the medal points to the achievement. For example, if you see, and it's fresh on our minds because it's just happened. If you see a gold medalist with the medal around their neck, now, do you get all intrigued just with the fact of, hey, do you know that you have a gold medal around your neck? As unique and precious in a way that that medal is, that's not the great value of that medal. The great value of the medal is that it points to the fact that on that given day, at that particular time, this particular athlete is the best in the world at their event. That's why it's such a, an esteem. That's why it's exalted so highly. Listen, it's, it's one thing for someone to say, I won first place at the county fair. It's another thing to say, I won a gold medal. Because the gold medal says, I am the best in the world. It's what the trophy, the medal, the crown represents. When I think of home, I think of crowns, trophies. When you think of your bedroom as a kid, you guys ought to really be able to remember that. Do you remember trophies? The crowns? I know that you're probably thinking, well, he just keeps going back to that country. I'm not. I just can't think of home. You know, the, you know the medal, one of the ones I was just like really, really proud of? Hanging on my wall was a three-dimensional plaque with a pig on it. I worked so hard for several years to learn how to raise a winning show hog. And by my senior year, reserve champion of Tennessee. <laughs> Y'all would have walked in and saw the plaque on the wall and you would have been like, well, that's a funny plaque and just walked on. I see it for what it represents. The hours of work and failure at the end of the year and the hours of work and failure at the end of the year. And finally, my senior year, I said to myself, this is it. You're not gonna fail this year. And I could give you a long version of that. But the success was not in, hey, here's a plaque on the wall, but it's what it stood for. Look at the work, look at the effort, look at the energy and look at the success of it. All of us have things in our life and sometimes it's not even something officially awarded. You know, for some of you, it would be, you see this house right here, to you, it's just a house. But to me, I built it with my own hands. And to you, your house is kind of like your 
reward. It's kind of like your trophy. Do you know the hours I put into this? You know the dreams I put into this? We all have things. But now think about what the Lord is saying. He's saying, I want you to receive this achievement. I want you to be able to say, I did it. And I know, I don't don't want to be confused with, I'm not saying to you that God's saying that salvation is merited. We don't work and deserve it. There's not anybody going to be in heaven because they earned heaven. But the crown of life is given to those that have sacrificed all, or at least they were willing to. That's what the crown of life is all about. Were you so devoted and loyal to the Lord that you would give it all up, everything up? And so Smyrna, how much are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to go to prison? Are you willing to give your life? If you do that, I'll give you a crown that says, look what you accomplished. And again, it's not making it all about us, but it's that journey with the Lord. I want to accomplish that. By the grace of God, I want to accomplish that. And you know, it ought to be true now. But if it's not now, there's going to be a day that if I ask you right now, what's your greatest accomplishment you've ever had? And you take it and put on a scale and then you stand on the day of judgment and you say, weigh whatever you think is this greatest accomplishment and put in the scale here, the crown of life. And all of us, if we haven't realized before, all of us on that day will realize nothing compares to having the crown of life. Whatever you and I have to give up to achieve the crown of life is worth it. If we have to give up relationships, Jesus taught us even with family. Jesus taught us if we have to give up possessions, Jesus taught us that we would have to give up our own selfish will and deny self. Whatever we would have to give up to remain loyal to the Lord, that achievement is worth it. And so let's get ready to sing a song of encouragement. But as we do, I want to remind you, we can't achieve this on our own. It's for those that are willing. Do you remember Jesus' words when he said, take my yoke upon you, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Are we willing to yoke ourselves with the Lord? And the parts that we absolutely have no way of achieving with Christ and with God, all things are possible. Listen to me for just one more minute, please. It doesn't matter where you've been. and It doesn't matter what you've done or what you've not been or what you've not done. It's not too late for you to achieve. It's not. And if Satan is whispering in your ear, well, 
That, that's a good thought, but it's, it's something I could never do. That's a lie. By the grace of God, you can do it. And we're about to sing a song of encouragement. And let's make sure that every one of us walks out joining Paul when he says in Philippians that he's pressing toward the mark of that goal, of that high calling of Christ. Let's press toward it. And let's let that be our goal. If you've never been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, that's where the journey begins. As a believer that loves the Lord and is willing to repent of sins and confess and be immersed into Christ and begin that journey of laying it all down before the Lord. Maybe you've begun that journey and right now you look at your life and you're not where you need to be and you want to come back. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. We're about to sing a song that literally we intend for it to be a song of encouragement, encouraging all of us to do whatever we need to do to achieve the crown.